hope everybody in at least northern Illinois, don't know about central Illinois, has taken advantage of the snow day today. Today being January 12th, a Friday. Games were supposed to happen. Events were supposed to happen that I was supposed to cover. I got canceled on everything, and I'm guessing just about everybody was canceled for everything in life today. Snow was crazy continuously throughout the day, and it's thick, wet, hard, heavy snow. Not really hard. I mean, it's soft if you were like able to jump on it, but hard as in like when you are shoveling and it gets put together, it compresses and makes awesome snowballs and foundations for snowmen really, really impressively. <laughs> I wish every snow day when I was a kid growing up had snow like this. It would have been awesome. Not everyone was like that, but the ones I do remember, you know, giant snowball fights, snowmen was awesome. I wanted to get in my car, drive around and see if little kids were doing that today. But unfortunately, I didn't. My car was stuck for a while. By the time I got the energy to go and shovel and I was working on podcasts, I was working on interviews, doing other things for stories, scheduling, you know, all that crazy adult stuff. So I didn't get a chance to, but hopefully, hopefully the kids got out, had some fun in the winter wonderland. I know, you know, our uh, as we get older here, or at least my generation, we get older, it seems to be happening less and less and less where kids go out and do that kind of stuff. But hopefully there's still a few that enjoy it. I know I did as a kid and even as an adult, I plan on probably building a snowman tomorrow. That's my plans. Hopefully it doesn't rain and turn it all into ice and then it's hard to work with. Hopefully the snow stays exactly how it is right now. It is 6 o'clock p.m. on January 12th. Hopefully the snow stays just like it is right, right now. I have to give a shout out to kids at Northbrook. Don't know their name. Don't know what ages they were in. But I was walking into Northbrook to referee a game. Actually, I was going to get my shoes after refereeing games because I forgot them there. They were getting out of school. I was going to get my shoes. And as I was walking by, they're like, hey, that's the Edge of Your Seat podcast guy. And they waved at me. They said, hello, said we listened to the show. And I said, thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, can you help me get my shoes? <laughs> it was funny. It was cool. We joked around for a little bit. It was an awesome shout out. I'm glad they're listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So if you're listening to this episode, much appreciation, a shout out to you. We need to welcome our newest member of the Edge of Your Seat podcast sponsorship family, the sponsorship team, Star Rock Wood Products. Been talking to them for a few months, been doing stories, got to know members of the team, got to know the management team, got to have a sit-down meeting conversation with the president, Michelle Christ. It has been absolutely awesome getting to know them. Now, they have joined the sponsorship team and want to offer a very, very huge welcoming party for Star Rock Wood Products. With that said, let's get to the first ad read for SRWP. That's the abbreviation. I might go with that from time to time. Star Rock Wood Products. Let's hear it right now. Thankfully, I haven't had to look for employment in quite some time because of my journalism career, which brings you this very podcast. However, if I was looking, I know where I would send an application and resume. Star Rock Wood Products in Mendota. My brother-in-law and friends I've had for 20 years work at SRWP. 
They tell me all the time about the manufacturer and everything the place offers them as employees and the product value offered to the customers. Star Rock Wood Products, which makes cabinets, doors, trim, stairs, railings, and provides custom millwork, employs 130 people throughout the Illinois Valley and the surrounding areas. My friends always talk about the great benefits and vacation time, the ease of the four 10-hour days in production, the promotion opportunities within, and the fact SRWP has a job for everyone. After reaching out to the Blossoming Business for a story for a newspaper article, I found out Starved Rock Wood Products underwent new management in 2023 and new president, Michelle Christ, VP Sales and Marketing, Steve Parisi, and Director of Operations, Tom Hayward, are excited to take the company established in 2014 to new heights. If you're interested in joining my family, my friends, and the new management team, check out the career page on StarveRockWoodProducts.com. Call 815-538-7797 or drop off your resume at 1501 Washington Street in Mendota. Once again, welcome Star Rock Wood Products. It's going to be awesome getting people to know you, being that branch in between you, customer base, employee base, all of the fine lines in between. Starved Rock Wood Products, a major player in Mendota and Illinois Valley. I'm your host, Brandon Lachance. Thank you, as always, for listening to Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Don't know where you're listening to this show, but you can hear them all on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the website, www.rss.com backslash podcasts. That is with an S. It is plural. Backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. The socials, you know we're there. Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, or X as it's now known, Edge of Your Seat P. The podcast part one fit, so we just went P. If you want to link with me on my personals, Brandon LaChance, it looks like L.A. Chance, on Facebook and on X, it is at LaChance Writer. Again, that's L.A. Chance. If I was a rapper, that would be my rapping name. Even though when I was a DJ, I went by DJ Last Chance because he put an S and a T in there and that's what it is. But L.A. Chance, Last Chance, they both would have been good rapping names. But however, I went to the writing, the radio, and the podcast, and Brandon LaChance works just fine. On Facebook, X, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you see the show, please like, follow, reshare, repost, five star, a million star, comment, all of those things to help us move up the algorithms and also to help us do what we're doing and that is spotlight everything awesome going on in Northern and Central Illinois. If you have any questions, suggestions, you know somebody that would be a good guest, you think you could be a good guest, which I probably agree with you. You have any questions, suggestions, you dislike something I or a guest said, or you would like to become a member of the Edge of Your Seat podcast sponsorship team, please send an email to edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Always much love, appreciation to Brian Cavelli, Cavelli Productions, for the creation of the intro and outro beat heard on every single episode of Edge of Your Seat podcast, which is brought to you by First State Bank. 19 locations in Northern and Central Illinois, 
great people, great policies. They know what they're doing. I've been banking with First State Bank since 2011 and have never, ever desired to go to another bank or take my money elsewhere. Never, never, never. They've always treated me right. They've always helped me with decisions or gave me their advice or, you know, what my options are. They've always done a great job with everything that I've brought to them or anything that I had on the table. So I always recommend First State Bank to anybody that needs anything done financially. Checking, saving, CD, safe deposit box, anything. First State Bank, reach out to a local branch near you. On the eve of IHSA Boys Bowling Regionals, they are supposed to start tomorrow, January 13th, a Saturday. However, with the snow, with the weather predictions, who knows if it continues. I was supposed to referee seven basketball games tomorrow on Saturday. Each and every single one of them have been canceled. The snow has put in the work for snow days for at least Friday and Saturday for me. So maybe they happen, maybe they don't. Boys bowling is inside. However, buses got to get there. Multiple teams got to get there. Multiple bowlers. So we'll see how all that works out. Maybe some of them are already canceled. We will see how that works. However, on the eve of the Boys Bowling Regional, we got to have a Boys Bowling show. We have Mendota senior Landon Bauer and the Mendota Trojans coach and Landon's father, Matthew Bauer. I call him Matt. Just want to say his legal name first, but it's Matt Bauer. And this is episode 312. As the Trojans have been on a roll. Yes. That is both a pun and literal this season. Landon qualified for state as a junior last year. So coming into this season, you know that he wanted to bowl his best. And he has been leading the Trojans pretty much throughout the entire season. They took third at the Oregon Hawk invite. Landon had a high series and won individually with a 12.98. They were ninth at the Rockford Guilford Survivor Tournament on November 18th. Landon was named the News Tribune Athlete of the Week on November 25th. Then Mendota, the team, and Landon Bauer finished fourth at the Cav Classic at the Illinois Valley Super Bowl in Peru as the Trojans were fourth and Landon Bauer individually was fourth. They took second at the Rockford Boylan Invite. They were sixth at the Dixon Toughman Tournament as they faced 19 different schools. At the first annual Brian Hodge Memorial Tournament in Savoy, or Savvy, I'm going to go Savvy, S-A-V-O-Y, Illinois. I have never heard of the town. I think it's by Champagne. I'm going to go, it's either Savoy or Savvy. I don't think it's Savvy. It's not a Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm going to go Savoy. If I'm wrong, please let me know. Send an email. Message me, either Edge of Your Seat Podcast or Brandon Lachance on Facebook or Twitter. And Landon Bauer won it individually as B.J. Bresley was fourth and Alex Holland was fifth. The girls took second at the Brian Hodge Memorial. Yesterday, January 11th, the Mendota Trojans wrapped up the regular season. The boys went 15-0 undefeated in duels as they beat Rockford Christian 3,222 to 2,942. That was just yesterday. They wrapped up the regular season. 
getting prepared for tomorrow's regionals if they happen. But man, 15 and 0. Like I said, whether you want to view it as a pun or literally, the Trojans have been on a roll. We appreciate Landon and Matt for chatting with us between last season and this season. Know the Trojans are going to do their best, which is very good in the postseason. Also on the show, we have a mix and match as big news has reached us. I already know if you're a sports person, you know, you know about the coaching changes that happen in football Wednesday and Thursday. Of course, we're going to talk about those and more. Then we have putting in work, which is our segment where we go over accomplishments and really cool things that athletes, coaches, teams are being able to do or have done through the winter sports season. We'll get to all that and our guests, of course, right after we hear from First State Bank. Have you heard the news? First State Bank is the first to offer Quillo. Quillo is an online personal loan officer that allows you to apply for a loan in just minutes. Need to replenish your checking account, pay off a high interest credit card, or take that vacation you have always wanted? Check out Quillo on the First State Bank website using your phone, tablet, or PC. It won't impact your credit score to apply. There are no fees, no penalties, and payments you can afford. You'll need a First State Bank checking account, but have no worries. You can apply for one of those online also. Check out FSB's premier account that pays higher interest for doing a few routine activities. Go to firststatebank.biz today to see how you can get a Quilla loan with a new or existing checking account. First State Bank is member FDIC and equal housing lender. Mix and match, like I said, big, big coaching news. I was listening to ESPN Radio on Wednesday and my phone started lighting up as they're saying on the radio, Pete Carroll is resigning as coach of the Seattle Seahawks and he is going to be in an advisor role. Then, right after, it seemed like seconds, but I think it was a little longer, Nick Saban retires from the University of Alabama where he won six of his seven NCAA championships, where Carroll, of course, won a BCS championship, national championship, with USC in 2004, and then won a Super Bowl with the Seattle Seahawks. Spent 14 years there. Saban was in college football for 28 years. Then, the next day, it's a Thursday, there was bantering going on Wednesday night about Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft, the owner of of the New England Patriots, of course, Bill Belichick, the coach of the New England Patriots. They were going to have a press conference the next day discussing whether Belichick is going to stay with the team or not. 20 minutes after that was announced, they're like, hey, he's going to say he's leaving. Sure enough, Thursday at 11 a.m. sharp, I had my tablet in the office. It was on. It was ready. I didn't even put in headphones. I made everybody that was there listen to it as Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft discussed the situation and Bill Belichick parted ways with the New England Patriots. Woo! What a couple of days of just monstrous big news. The crazy thing is Pete Carroll is a legendary, iconic coach, but it doesn't, it didn't even like phase anybody until Nick Saban and Bill Belichick then put in their resignations or parting ways as Bill Belichick did. Then you put all three together and you're like, man, the landscape of football, whether it's college, NFL, 
has changed. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are looked at as the GOATs of coaching in their respective areas. Saban, college, Belichick, NFL. I mean, he won six championships with the New England Patriots and helped turn Tom Brady into the GOAT of quarterbacks. A lot of people say the best of all. All. I mean, that's GOAT. But he helped do that. Whether it was the system or whether it was Tom Brady, because now Tom Brady had left, went to the Buccaneers, is now retired. Patriots have not had any success. So, was it Brady? Was it Belichick? Of course, there was Spygate. There was Deflategate. There was things that made Bill Belichick look bad. His non-committal attitude towards press and wanting to talk to anybody or share anything or just be a genuine human being. That has degraded his legacy and what he's meant to football. He's got all the wins. He's got the championships. He's got a legacy. I mean, for a good 20 years, when you looked at the AFC, New England Patriots were on top. The goal for every team in that conference was, hey, we got to get past New England. If you beat them in the regular season, okay, can we do it again in the playoffs? Because they're going to be there. That doesn't happen often. We think every single year a team is going to be there. Kansas City has started it. Good five, six-year run here. But they have to keep doing it if they want to be looked at at the same level that Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots were. But that is the level that Bill Belichick has put that team, that legacy on. Nick Saban did the same thing in Alabama. Pete Carroll, maybe not to that level, but man, what he's able to do with teams this year, the Seattle Seahawks, looking at the roster, looking at who they played, looking at everything. I'm like, man, this team is going to be awful. They're not getting anywhere. They did far better than I thought, even though not a Super Bowl contender, because obviously they're not in the playoffs, but he made them relevant. And throughout the year, like, hey, you got to beat Seattle if you want to be in the postseason, because they were fighting for it too. They were right there on the cusp, just didn't win enough games. But Carroll put them in a position to win the games. Without him, maybe, maybe three victories, maybe four. I'll give him that. That's about it. Moving on. Let's break up the sports chat because I got a lot more sports. A couple other things, I guess, entertainment-wise. Ashanti and Nelly having a first kid. Ashanti's first kid, anyway. Nelly, I think, has got some. But Ashanti's first kid, Ashanti and Nelly hooked up back in the day in their prime music years when they were, you know, killing it with songs. Not so much anymore, but they've gotten back together and are now having a kid. I mean, Ashanti and Nelly, still big names in rap, hip-hop, R&B, that circle, that genre. Good. Good for them. Good for them. I know the news broke for, uh, I think, like a month, month and a half ago. I didn't get a chance to talk about it on here. Nelly, my freshman and sophomore year, first with his first album, Country Grammar. I remember going to Rockford. I had moved to Mendota. I went back to Rockford to visit family and went to a music store and somebody offered me a mixtape. They're like, man, there's a lot of good stuff on here. You probably never heard before. So I get the mixtape and Nelly's song Country Grammar is on there. It was right before my 8th grade graduation. Right before. So I took it to an 8th grade graduation party. Played that song and everybody absolutely loved it. A week later, maybe 5 days later, I see the video on MTV and I'm like, I got that. I already got that on a mixtape. It was super cool. It was like a 13, 14 year old kid. eh, 12, whatever age you are in 8th grade going into high school. So 13, 14, I think I was correct. I was super pumped, like, hey, I had it first, 
hey, they listened to it from me at this party before it made MTV. I was super pumped. I will never forget that memory. Ashanti and Ja Rule, some of their songs when I was a freshman, junior, sophomore. I just said that out of order, but you know what I mean. I mean, they were hits. All hits. Listen to them all the time. So, you know, good for them having a baby. Hopefully they can stay together. But you know how entertainment, Hollywood, music, those relationships go. Tom Cruise signs a deal with Warner Brothers to develop and produce movies. I think his career in acting is probably just about over unless he switches it up because let's face it you know the uh mission impossible flying around doing stunts i think those days for him are over so good for him hopefully he makes some awesome movies because you know i'm gonna be watching i'll watch him for sure all right back to sports more coaching news bears keep head coach matt eberflus that was going to be the headliner for mix and match until of course the carol saban belichick news came out I mean, okay, okay. I mean, he improved the Bears. They won three games last year. They won seven this year, finishing seven and ten. At times, you know, the team looks good. At the Towards the end of the year, the Chicago Bears defense was clicking. They looked really good. Justin Fields was coming into his own. You know, things were starting to turn around. Maybe that's Eberflus. Maybe he's a good dude to have the job. I don't know. But when you see names like Carol Saban Belichick, of course, Jim Harbaugh's name has been shopped everywhere. You're like, why can't we bring one of those guys in? Maybe that's not the right fit. You know, Saban retired, so he's done. Bill Belichick, they're saying he's looking for another job, and there's probably other opportunities. Washington Commodores fired Rivera, and they have the second pick in a pretty steady defense of its own. So maybe that's where he goes. Atlanta Falcons have been thrown out there. Of course, the Los Angeles chargers have been thrown out there maybe he wants better weather he's been out the new england patriots connecticut east coast all that stuff i think i said connecticut i meant massachusetts same area same coldness same snow during playoffs end of the year games maybe he's like hey i want to go to la let's not have that let's have some sunny days who knows who knows who knows but i don't think chicago is going to be able to bring in any of them So why not hold on to somebody that improved the team and see if he can do it even more? However, they got rid of just about everybody else on the offensive side. They fired the offensive coordinator, Luke Getze. Fired quarterback coach, Andrew Janako. Fired wide receiver coach, Tyke Tolbert. Fired running back coach, Omar Young. And fired assistant tight end coach, Tim Zetz. Sorry, Andrew Janako, if I butchered your name, but that's how I'm saying it. I've never heard it. And, uh, you know, first read, first write down, that's what we're going with. Anyway, they're all gone. Bringing in new ones to work with, of course, Justin Fields, the quarterback, DJ Moore, the wide receiver, whatever running backs they can actually keep healthy, went through a carnival, not just a parade, an entire carnival. The parade, every ride, every line, In anywhere, (laughs) any amusement park, a water park, wherever, add them all together. That's what the running back situation looked like for the Chicago Bears last year. So we'll see who they bring in. We'll see what happens. Hopefully the Bears taking steps forward. That's what we like to see. Ex-G-Leaguer, the basketball NBA G-League, Chance Comanche admits to fatally strangling a woman found dead in mid-December. Yikes, yikes, yikes. I only bring this up because I am very, very interested to hear about this 
hear about this guy, hear about this case on Crime and Sports, a podcast that I'm a frequent listener of. He'll be on there. He'll be on there. We'll see what really happened. Moving on, basketball. Grambling University sets a D1 women's hoops largest margin of victory record. 141 points as they were victorious 159-18. to I'm not going to say the opponent. You can look it up. Google it. Man, I'm only not going to say it because I don't, I don't want to, you know, crush the little guy, throw salt on the wound, laugh at him, even though probably a representative from that school is not going to listen to this podcast. If they do, awesome. Nice to meet you. Thank you for listening. However, 159 to 18 is insane. I don't even think I can do that in 2K. Maybe if I put 12-minute quarters on, but the five minutes I usually play, no way am I able to beat a team by 141 points. That is insane. Wow. Congrats to Grambling University. That is an amazing record. Tonight, tonight at the United Center, Chicago, the Bulls are introducing the Ring of Honor. I didn't look to see everybody that's in there, but you already know the first class is going to have Michael Jordan. Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, for sure. I'm guessing Artis Gilmore, Jerry Sloan, and of course, Phil Jackson. Maybe a Tony Kukoc, maybe Red Kerr. I don't know where they're going with this. I did purposely not look so I could be surprised tonight as I'm watching it to see who gets into the Ring of Honor. But it's cool. It's awesome. Have your own little Hall of Fame. I mean, we already know who deserves to be in there. We know who doesn't. The Bulls either have great or they have bad. There hasn't really been much in between. Or we've had, let me take that back. Let me take that back. Sorry, sorry. Or we've had good and we get rid of them before they can become great. Elton Brand, Jamal Crawford, et cetera, et cetera. So it's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Glad to have a Hall of Fame. And I'm glad that Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Phil Jackson, Dennis Rodman, my era, the the crew that introduced me into a lifelong fandom of NBA is getting honored yet again with something else. Just keep honoring these guys every day, every year. Let's do it. Let's do it. The Detroit Pistons went on a monster losing streak. I believe they are the worst team of all time. 28 game losing streak. They finally ended it December 30th with a win over the Toronto Raptors. And that was by two points. So the Raptors could have extended it, but Raptors aren't really that good themselves. But man, 28 game losing streak, the most in NBA history. You know, that says that you're the worst team, but just watching them, they just look the worst. And they got players. They got people that have talent. I mean, you don't get in the NBA if you don't, but there's something that's just not clicking that just is bad, 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 bad basketball. And man, I can't say it again. 28 game losing streak. Yikes. We're going to go from bad to more good as Shaquille O'Neal's Orlando Magic jersey is going to be retired. 27.2 points, 12.5 rebounds, 2.4 blocks. Those were his averages during his four years with Orlando. He was a rookie of the year in 1993 and the scoring champ in 1995 as a member of the Magic. That is three teams that are retiring or have retired his jersey the Los Angeles Lakers, the Miami Heat, and now Orlando Magic. I mean, he's one of the GOATs, one of the best. I always put him as my center for, you know, top five, all five 
starting lineup. I usually put him or Kareem. I kind of, depending on what mood I'm in, it's either Shaq or Kareem. But he's one of the best, one of the best to ever do it. And he deserves it all, especially for Magic. Him, Penny Hardaway, Dennis Scott, Tim Anderson, they made the Magic a team that people that were watching them still talk about today. If you're in any basketball group on Facebook, look it up on Twitter, whatever you do. I said Twitter again, X. I'm never going to get used to saying X. It's still going to be Twitter. It's ingrained. It's ingrained in my brain. Anyway, anywhere that there's basketball chit-chat, a question is asked about 90s basketball or teams or whatever, the Orlando Magic is always brought up. Doesn't matter what conversation, always brought up. And for him to be recognized for that, because it's that era, and then the one year that Dwight Howard brought Orlando Magic to the finals and then lost to Kobe and the Lakers. Those are the only two group squads that are talked about in Orlando Magic history. So props to Shaq. He deserves it. Last thing I'm going to talk about in mix or match or mix and match, not or and match. Kawhi Leonard of the Los Angeles Clippers signs a three-year, $153 million extension to play five games a year. He's either going to get hurt or the load management, or whatever excuse issue he has, the Clippers have, and then he's going to go on a little hot streak for like a month, month and a half, and he shows that he's one of the best players in the world, especially in the NBA, and then he disappears because something happens. It has been the story since he won the championship with the Toronto Raptors about four years ago. Same thing, it's going to happen again. I don't think he's worth $153 million. I won signing for three years. I would try to max out a trade and get whatever awesome prospects or draft picks you can get. Sorry, he's a great player, but he doesn't play. His attitude stinks. Nah, just not for me. Make 2024 the year of stronger connections with Surf Fiber Internet. Whether you want to keep in touch with your loved ones, work smarter, or have fun with your family, you need a fast and reliable internet connection. With Surf Internet, you'll enjoy an ultra-fast fiber internet connection that has equal upload and download speeds, no buffering, no data limits, and no contracts. Plans start at $35 a month. Visit surfinternet.com or call 1-833-544-2982 to check availability. Putting in the work, athletes, coaches, teams have been racking up wins, accomplishments, achievements, this winter, here are some, and every show will have a little bit more. Some dates might be rearranged, moved around as I'm putting everything together. But as long as we do our shout-outs, hey, they're all here. That's what we're trying to do. Congrats to IESA, that's junior high if you did not know, Class 1A 7th grade girls team from Peru Catholic as they went to state and not only qualified, but won their quarterfinal and finished fourth in the entire state class 1a seventh grade had a 16 and 4 record big props congratulations to peru catholic seventh grade 2a putnam county did the same thing as they finished fourth with a 20 and 5 record i refereed that team i saw them early on in the year And thought, hey, they got a couple tall girls, they got a couple shooters, they're athletic, they're fast, they could do something. They finished fourth in the state. Awesome for them. Seventh grade, 3A, 
Morris Saratoga qualified, fell in the quarterfinal, but still a member of the Elite Eight with a 22-2 record. In eighth grade, we had two teams get to Elite Eight. In Class 1A, Ottawa Wallace got to the Elite Eight, finished 26-2 on the season. So they had only lost one game before they fell in a quarterfinal. In eighth grade, 2A, Serena made it to the Elite Eight, had a 16-7 record. Sorry if you hear that. That is my heater, which is right next to me. Usually, I turn it off and just blast through an intro, do all the talking I need to do, and then I'll turn it back on. However, with the snow, it's cold, and I don't want to turn it off. So we're going to hear that tick, 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 tick from here, here and there. Not every second, here and there. See? Yep. Silence again. It'll come back around a little bit, but hey, got to do what you got to do. This podcast is still awesome. Still awesome. The IESA Boys Playoffs are just about to begin as the Elite Eight games are scheduled for February 3rd. And I just refereed conference tournaments the last couple days. Conference tournaments after that, it's the playoffs. So we're right there for boys basketball. High school varsity accomplishments. LaSalle Peru's Josh Seneca scored his 1,000th point of his career on November 28th. He racked up more points to get to that level in the Cavaliers' victory, the championship of Ottawa's Shooting the Rock Thanksgiving Tournament. The LP girls bowling team won the Oregon Thanksgiving Tournament on December 2nd. It's the Oregon Hawk invite, which is the same one that Mendota finished third. December 11th, Hall senior girls basketball player McKenna Christensen scored her 1,000th point. PHS, the Tigresses, won their holiday tournament on November 18th. Rock Falls Boys won the Geneseo Thanksgiving tournament. Earlville senior Ryan Browder scored his 1,000th career point on December 1st. Sterling's Lucas Austin scored his 1,000th career point on December 5th. Just 1,000 point scores everywhere. The Hall Komoni Classic, always one of my favorite tournaments. The championship, Fieldcrest defeated Rock Falls. In the third place game, LaSalle Peru beat Mendota. Princeton finished 6th, Hall 7th, Marquette 8th, Burrow Valley 9th, St. Bede 10th, Putnam County 11th, and Stillman Valley 12th. The Amboy girls won their girls basketball holiday tournament for the second year in a row as they got a victory over Newman. Hall won the third place game. At the Marquette Boys Holiday Tournament, the final, Serena lost to Lexington and that was Serena's first loss of the season. Third place game, Irville beat Flanagan Cornell by three and the fifth place game, Marquette beat Hall. All tournament team was Irville's Ryan Browder, Hall's Max Bryant, Marquette's Denver trainer, Serena's Carson Baker and Tanner Favre, or Favre, or Favre, it's F-A-I-V-R-E, not met him yet, I'm going to reach out so I can say his name properly, but Tanner, he's on the squad, as well as Samanach's Carson Berry, and Marquette's Ethan Storm, who led the tournament with 92 points scored throughout. 
the Plano Christmas Classic. We did speak to Coach Kyle Key. He's the Plano Reapers coach. We talked to him after the tournament. He is going to be a podcast real, real soon this upcoming week. We talked to him before last year's Plano Christmas Classic and then after this year. So we got a back-to-back double boom of Kyle Key. He is a great basketball mind, a great coach. And Plano made it to the championship game of this year's Classic. However, Camelin won as their Troyer Carlson drilled, absolutely drilled a three-point basket with 3.3 seconds left on the clock to win it 55-53 for Camelin. Plano finishing second. They were really happy about the tournament. We'll hear from Kyle Key about that and, you know, see what they do in the postseason. Streeter won the third place game. LaSalle Peru was seventh. Hinkley Big Rock eighth. Ottawa ninth. Oregon tenth. Morris 11th, Yorkville Christian 12th, Mendota 13th, Sandwich 14th, and Newark 16th. Members of the Plano Christmas Classic All-Tournament Team, Plano's Devonnie Stamps and A.J. Johnson, Morris's Jack Wheeler, LP's Josh Seneca, Hinkley Big Rock's Martin Ledbetter, Ottawa's Cooper Knoll, Streeter's Christian Benning, and Kalen's Troyer Carlson. You know he had to be on there after drilling the three to win it. Crazy. Congrats to all. Let's keep rocking into the postseason on our way to spring sports. But man, the winter sports have been full of awesomeness. And we're just touching the surface. We got more to discuss the next episode as we have plenty, plenty, plenty more of putting in the work. Because let's face it, they're putting in the work. That's what they're doing. And we're here to share it with you. The interviews you are about to hear with Landon Bauer and Matt Bauer of Mendota Boys Bowling is brought to you by Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. General Manager and Sales Manager Jason Hintz is just as dedicated to partnering you with your dream vehicle. Plus, he has the assistance of Caitlin Henry who joined the staff in July. Need a good on-gas mileage long-distance work car? Jason and Caitlin got you. Need a bigger vehicle to get your little athletes to practices or games? They got you. Need a big truck, tough, for equipment and construction sites? They got you. Mendota Ford has your vehicle for your needs. Right now, Mendota Ford is offering 0% for 48 months on all new 2024 Ford Edges. Qualified buyers, of course. Jason and Caitlin will make sure they track down your new ride and hand you the keys. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. And you can always call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford. When you do, Don't forget to mention where you heard about Mendota Ford as the dealership has a refer a friend or a family member program. If you buy a vehicle, the person or podcast who referred you will receive $100. Well, that's a wrap on the intro. Let's get to Landon. Let's get to Matt. Thank you as always for listening. We appreciate it. Much love. Keep coming back. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the website www.rss.com backslash podcast with an S backslash 
Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Hit us up on the socials, Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Facebook, Edge of Your Seat P on Twitter or X. Please, 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 please keep listening and keep letting us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate it. It means the world. We're out here doing the show for you to listen and to share what these awesome athletes, coaches, teams, and even outside of sports are doing. Until next time, peace. Our guest, Landon Bauer from Mendota, a junior. He was there. And not only was he there, he bowled pretty well, finishing 50th in the state. Landon, I know 50th might not sound like, you know, number one or number two, but 50th, when there's no classes, bowling is all everybody against everybody, you had to feel pretty proud about that. Yeah, I did feel pretty proud about myself. Definitely could have been a lot better, but, I mean, I'll take what I can get. All I wanted was to place at the state tournament. That was one of my goals, so I achieved it either way. What is the spot that you have to be within to get to the second day? For the teams and individuals, what they did was they separated. They basically tried cutting in half or in, uh, like, a th- like, thirds of advancing to the second day for teams. I believe they took the top 12 after a six game uh, after the six game day series and then for individuals they took top 30 and I ended up placing uh, 29th then how does that work if you were 29th in the day and then you finished 50th you finished 27th on Friday so what happens is because of they don't really equally split a separate individual versus all individuals and teams versus teams he was down at state represented his school as an individual but you're still competing against everyone else so they cut the field of teams in half to advance to the next day and then everybody gets thrown into a pool of what your individual score is so as a individual that's not on an advancing team you have to get into the top 30 spot on Friday to make it to Saturday. Gotcha, out of the individuals. Okay, okay. That makes yeah. sense. The way it came out at first, I'm like, what? But okay. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, it's, it's a little bit confusing. So so then on Saturday, you're you're bowling against everybody. Gotcha, there, yep, yep. I think Friday total, there was like 178 kids there total. And then after they did the cut and eliminated some of those that didn't advance the field was down to 117 on saturday to start all right well thank you thank you for clearing that up though perfect are you there landon yep all right cool i was just trying to understand when you said you know uh i knew you finished 50th in your top 27 but then if you cut at 30 how was there 50 but i gotcha yeah so day one you finished 27th they make that cut for individuals at 30 and then you go into Saturday, and everybody, so from the qualifying teams, everybody in day two, you all battle against each other. And you finish 50th at 117. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, um, it, was, it definitely was not the greatest that I bowled, but um, I'm so glad coming out with uh, being in the top half of that uh, group that advanced to the second day it was definitely a big accomplishment for me. Especially saying that I have still one more year left to do something again like that. Definitely. Going into the state tournament, 
was that kind of a goal? Like, hey, I just want to get to day two. If I can get to day two, you know, that's cool. Yeah, that was uh, that was exactly the, the game plan that uh, me and my dad were talking about um, the night before. I'm just basically bowling as best as I can, whether I make it to the second day or not, hoping that I do. And, I mean, if I didn't, it was still a good enough accomplishment that I made it to the state finals anyway. Heck, yeah. So then when you get to day two, what was your next goal? Was there a number placing that you wanted, or what was your motivation going into the second day? Personally, I really hadn't thought about... um, like any type of number that I wanted to place, but knowing that pins carried over from the first day to the second day and that I was going to be versing everybody, whether they were on a team or not, head on. My goal, I guess you could say for myself, was to um, just try and pick myself up from where I left off after the first day and just try and get as many pins as possible and uh, see where that gets me in uh, placement. So not a bad end to your junior year, huh? It was definitely more than what I thought I was going to get out of uh, my junior year. I still have to give a lot of credit to the team. They did an amazing job over the year. We really got super close to making it to sectionals as a team. Missed out by uh, 16 pins. I still got to give a lot of credit to all those guys, especially our uh, our team captain. And uh, every single individual bowler on our team, they did an amazing job. They all bowled almost at their expectation level for the year, and... Uh, Definitely um, looking forward to next year. Just missed the sectional cut at regionals with the entire Mendota team. I mean, it's not easy to get out of regionals, and you guys were not in an easy regional either. We had a tough regional to compete in. Um, There was all the schools that are in our regional are very good, um, especially considering uh, a couple of the top three schools that uh, place at our regional kind of came out from under and out of nowhere and surprised a lot of us. Definitely did not expect to uh, get as close to Geneseo as we thought we would as a team because uh, the two times we versed them during the high school season, they had they had beaten us pretty bad, which was uh, one of like uh, two of the losses that we only had out of our uh, high school season. So you're like, hey, they were kind of on your, your list. Like, we can get close to them, but you didn't think you were going to, and then you did. Yeah. It was definitely pretty close. Um, if I think right, we were um, finishing fifth right behind Geneseo. They had only 16 pins on us. If we wanted to beat them, we would have had to had an extra 16 pins to beat them by just a, sing, just a single pin to advance onto the sectional. Um, I believe they had uh, 56.75, if I remember right. We had a 56.60, somewhere around that area. I won't say that we pulled our greatest, but we had our moments where we were, uh, as a team, we shot our uh, first bit, like, very, very higher, kind of, thousand series as a five team. If I remember correctly, it was a 10, it was a 10.59 is what we shot as a team, which was during the fifth game, which got us into the fourth place spot, and then, depending on the other schools and how they were moving, uh, when they bolt the sixth game is what was going to cost us whether we got the spot or not. You having the memory of all these moments, obviously you realized how important and how cool it was that what you guys were doing throughout the year, especially in the postseason. It was, uh, it was definitely, a, it was definitely uh, this year by far was our most successful year in the bowling program. 
coming out of the regional, we had uh, me and my younger brother Paxton advance to the sectional, which um, ranking-wise, I believe that our sectional was actually the hardest sectional in the state that we bowled at um, school-wise and, and what teams were there and what individuals were there. Good stuff. Let's talk about the regular season. I mean, Mendota was pretty much in every match, lost a couple, but you guys were there, uh, obviously showing that you cared and were, you know, working on your craft. We ended the season with a 12-4 and record. Uh, two of those matches coming off of a loss to Geneseo. Um, one of them was against LP, and then um, our fourth one was, our fourth and our first loss was against Oregon uh, at their home alley. But most of those teams, we got to verse the second time, and uh, we ended up beating LP the second time we versed them. And we uh, barely came out with um, just getting right under Oregon's final score at their uh, their invite tournament during the regular season. But most of the matches that we won, a few of them were close, but most of them were at least by, we had them up by a couple hundred pins uh, at the end of the three-game series. Good stuff, good stuff. What was it? I know you said you didn't bowl well at State. What was it throughout the season that you thought that you were doing really well? During the regular season, uh, I averaged uh, 220 with uh, three 700-plus series, uh, being a 720, a 741, and a 711. And I had seven 600-game series with um, my high game of the year being um, a 268 during a match, obviously. I shot higher during practices, but practice is just practice. It's You don't really keep tabs on that. One of my better tournaments that I did was at the Rockford-Guilford uh, Survivor Tournament. I placed sixth overall as an individual with a 247 average for the day, and I was nominated our team MVP. And our team overall, out of 24 different schools, placed eighth, which was the highest in a while that we had placed in the top percentage of any type of tournament so really you were just crushing it yeah i mean <laughs> our team was definitely making a name for ourselves we were we were coming in as a school that nobody really paid attention to in a while and then we were leaving just coming out almost of the underdogs that just absolutely surprised everybody from the back and almost came came out with a with a win but at that rockford tournament uh five of the top state ranked teams from the previous year were there as well that place right above us with Hananiga being in the first place spot um I believe at that tournament they had uh broken the national and the state record for the highest score out of a five game series just for one game oh wow that was Hananiga yes that was Hananiga I'm uh good friends with a couple of them uh with a couple of the kids from uh their school mainly uh through high school bowling is how I became better friends with um a lot of the top state teams bowlers that's how it usually happens right because if you see each other routinely or at invites i i mean you got time to talk and become friends it's really high school i mean it's always a great experience for everybody because you get the chance to meet new people and uh be good friends and you know make memories with kids from other schools i'm sure you got all kinds of snapchat friends because of bowling yeah i definitely do one of the one of the school's uh, teams that I'm really good friends with is uh, from Naperville Central. There's a lot of kids from that team that um, I do tournaments with outside of high school. 
definitely I had a great time at state with them. I got to finish our last game of the state tournament. Uh, their team was bowling uh, adjacent to uh, my pair. It was definitely a good end to the year. Even though I didn't bowl the greatest, I still had a lot of fun ending off the year. Good stuff. And that's what matters. I mean, you had fun ending the year knowing you got one more left. So knowing that you got a senior year left, want to get back to state, do better. What are some things that you're going to work on? So, you know, next year you can't say, hey, I could have bowled better. What are some things that you got to change? Most definitely. Um, I know I can get myself there individually again, but next year my goal is to try and get the team as far as I can because um, next year we're going to have so much more potential, especially with us being a young team this year. If we can get all of us to work together over the summer, it would be an absolutely great thing because we could get we could get averages up for each person, and uh, that would just punch us a ticket closer to state. I do want to thank uh, the whole coaching staff. Just wasn't on me. Assistant coaches John Holland and Jen Holland and my wife, uh, Mandy, they really all made this possible and made this work. We all got jobs outside of doing this for our kids, and uh, it, it was a long season, but uh, it was it was very enjoyable and uh, looking forward to doing it again. Definitely. You beat me to the punch. I was going to ask you to name the coaches, and I was going to ask you to name the players, Landon's teammates that he alluded to, but I thought that you might be able to make sure that you got everybody in there. Who are some of the other bowlers for the Mendota Trojans? Our varsity squad that we relied on most of the year, we took to the regional event. Um, So we had Landon Bauer, who's a junior, and Paxton Bauer, freshman. Clay Buffington was our lone senior on the squad. Alex Holland, freshman. Aiden Kent Tucker, sophomore. Cooper Novak, freshman, and we uh, had Nick Sheridan, who uh, was was bowling JV all year, um, but he really came along and showed a lot of improvement, so uh, we had him with us on the uh, varsity squad for regionals as a sub. We truly scared some of the bigger schools and bigger programs that have uh, tremendous feeder programs into their high school you know these kids are starting out younger than my boys did and you know they're very good bowlers they have a lot of resources they use but we did get compliments throughout the year from other coaches and schools that you know you guys are a young team but they're good you know you're you're going to be ones that people are going to start looking at and again, that was from a lot of state-ranked teams that have been there all the time. We did kind of fly under the radar with uh, some of these schools and that we go up against uh, at some of these bigger invites and tournaments and uh, really opened some eyes up. Well, thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. As always, I always appreciate it. Mendota Trojan, Bowler Junior Landon Bauer, and Coach Matt Bauer, thank you so much for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast once again. Thank you. Thank you. We spoke with Landon Bauer after the state tournament. It is the beginning of August. Matt Bauer, Landon's father, and the coach of the Mendota Bowling Team. Matt, how's it going, my friend? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. You know, 
never losing track of bowling. I know we haven't been in bowling season for a little bit, but bowling is one of those sports that really never falls out of season because you can always play. Never falls out of season in our house anyways, that's for sure. Because <laughs> you're a bowler, your wife's a bowler, and your two sons are bowlers. Well, the two boys are more bowlers than the wife and I. I mean, we'll do it occasionally uh, for fun, but the bowlers in this household are pretty much Paxton and Landon. Gotcha. Landon is going to be a senior. Correct. And Paxton's going to be a sophomore. Correct. Awesome. So, yeah, they are putting in as much time at the lanes as possible. Yeah, between everything else they're involved in, uh, they'll try and sneak a practice in once or twice a week. So they're pretty busy, even in the summer. They're both involved in FFA, so they just kind of got back from a leadership camp. They really haven't had much downtime this summer. It's good to keep them busy, though. Keep them focused on something they like to do. Yeah. You see a lot of athletes every summer. They get thrown off course, you know, having fun, which is cool. You got to have fun, too. But don't train, don't do anything. And then the school season comes back or the next sports season, and they're nowhere near where they were the season before. Yep, that is a strong uh, possibility that that happens uh, with some. And it, and it depends on what sports you're into, I guess. You know, if you're an avid baseball player, you always got that to fall back on in the summertime because that's pretty popular in the summer for baseball. As far as bowling goes, I mean, there's there's some summer leagues out there at certain centers. We don't really do a lot. Tournaments still kind of go pretty much all year. Like right now, it's kind of a downtime his nationals for uh, the youth just got over with um, in Indianapolis, and we were there a couple weekends ago. It's about a two-week-long tournament. It's called the Junior Gold Championships. You have to qualify for that, and they've made it in years prior. Uh, this year, we decided to not go uh, as singles because we'd have been there for a week and a half. But we did go down for the Open Championships, and that's open to all youth across the United States. Didn't have a turnout we wanted to have, but they gained some experience. Both boys kind of struggled a little bit. Landon basically bowled the whole weekend with an injury to his hand. So uh, he, he did the best he could. He still he was in like the top 150 out of 400 in one of the divisions, so that wasn't, wasn't too bad. But uh, I know he wishes he could have done better, but He's all healed up now with the boys growing. You're constantly changing equipment or fixing equipment to uh, meet that hand span that continues to grow. So we kind of figured out what the problem was there. We thought we had it fixed before we went to nationals and uh, in Indiana, at Indianapolis, and it crept up after about the fifth game. So we're working through getting the balls repaired and Possibly, you know, I got a couple tucked away. We'll just drill new ones, get their hands resized to the balls. And I, I don't think people realize how uh, much of a difference that makes. Uh, your hand can grow just ever, ever so slightly, and it makes a big difference on how that feels in the ball and what it does to your release. Just how much it can actually cause damage to a finger or a thumb. We're getting that straightened out, and uh, hopefully we'll be good to go. I just hope they don't grow, have another spurt again before the season starts in November after we get everything fixed. But the rate they're going, it, it's a possibility. It is what it is. So the national tournament that you guys went to, was it just Paxton and Landon, or did you take the whole team? The national tournament we went to was just, just recently was uh, just Paxton and Landon. 
Um, the high school national tournament happened back in June. I'll give you a little insight on that. But first and foremost, we do have to give a big shout out to the Lions Club and the uh, Mendota Elks uh, for making that possible. The Lions Club donated uh, the team enough money to get out there to nationals. Our hotel and meals and everything were all taken care of for the boys through the Lions Club. The Elks opened up their center uh, for us to practice two, three days a week to get prepped for that. So it was a good experience for the boys. The best thing about it, I, I want to take from it, I mean, we we wish we could have gotten a little bit higher placing and at least got into the second round of cuts, but we were out there basically as the underdog team. Matter of fact, we, we, we earned a wild card spot. So they had a wild card spot for a team uh, to be able to be recognized at the high school nationals, which was in uh, just outside of Dayton, Ohio. We follow a program in my household called Recruit Us. It helps you get exposure for for college if you plan on doing sports in college, not just bowling, but all sports. Landon with going to state as an individual at the high school level and where he ended up placing, he automatically qualified to go as a single competitor for the high school nationals. When Michael and I talked about, he was one of the tournament directors, about doing that, I said, well, I see you got a team event as well. What's, you know, how do we go about that? You know, can we get in? What's the stipulations? Long story short, he kind of told, told me, you know, you got to be a state qualifying team, which we weren't. We did compete in a state competition, which is regionals, but we didn't make it to sectionals. I gave him a brief background of the whole team and how young we were and size of school we are. And he understood that Illinois is one of the states that doesn't separate bowling into divisions or classes due to school size like a lot of other like a lot of other schools do. So when we get to the state level, you know, we're one of the smaller schools there. We're not the smallest, but one of the smallest ones there. And it's tough to go against some of these other programs who have just tremendous feeder systems from, you know, fifth grade on up. So I told them the depth of our varsity squad, how most of them were made up of freshmen. And then uh, Landon and Clay Buffington, who we just lost, he graduated last year, you know, was our two upperclassmen. We had to wait about a month and a half for a decision. And on April 1st, he contacted me at 9 o'clock in the morning and he said, you guys are in as a wild card. So we had from April 1st to June 16th to get prepared. That's trying to figure out money to get there, get practices in. You know, kids, you know, we had kids uh, in spring sports that were on the bowling team. So we had to start working around all the details. We pulled it through and I think there was 58 teams there, if I remember correctly now, from all over the United States. They were all state champion squads. Our boys ended up 43rd in the nation. So we did beat out state champion teams um, from other states. So that in itself, to me, that's a win. And it was a big tournament. It was very grueling. There was regular games that had to be bowled, plus Baker games. I think they earned some respect, learned a lot with one another and where we can improve and how we can move forward. It was a good time. But again, thank you to 
you know, the community for the support, especially the Lions Club and the Mendota Elks for making that possible. Edge of Your Seat Podcast calls that a win also. Wow. Beating out other state champions from other teams. And I say that about Illinois every single bowling postseason about there not being classes. I look at bowling and tennis as the two hardest sports to get to state and to perform well at state because you're right. The Chicago teams, the Burb teams, usually the Burbs, the Burbs beat out Chicago a lot of the times where they're born with a bowling ball connected to their hand. They're born with a tennis racket in their hand almost as soon as you know they can breathe, let alone play sports. So there's a lot of you know uphill climbing for a school like Mendota to perform well. But it sounds like your boys are you know putting in the work and doing what they need to, especially if there are national championships, national tournaments in the middle of the downtime. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, for us, we don't even have to go east. Uh, you can go. We can go 45. 50 minutes north, and you got a couple of schools in the Rockford area that are just dominant all the time. Matter of fact, you know, they've won this national tournament a couple of times before. Harlem High School from the Rockford area, they're a powerhouse uh, school, and they were there, and they made it all the way to the finals, but they did get, they got knocked out by a team from Florida. I think it was the first time Florida ever had a team win at Na- at the high school national championships level. After the team day, then they did have singles competition, so we all came back the next day, and all the boys that were there pulled singles, and we had one advance to the next day. I think there was about 450-some single competitors. They took the top 100 or 120, somewhere in there. One of our boys did make it to the next day, made the cut, but we had like three other ones on off of our squad that were so close that could have that would have moved on. So I took that as a win too. It was pretty difficult patterns, and there wasn't lane changes. You you bowled on the same pair, so some may think that's an easier format. Uh, they can get burned up pretty quick, so you you got to start making adjustments pretty quick, and whether it's a ball change or a, or a move. But spares are definitely the key. No, we had a good time. Uh, I, I think overall, they did fine. Just so we know who to pay attention to this upcoming bowling season, who was the player that advanced today, too? Uh, Landon's younger brother, actually, Paxton, did. Awesome. And who were the three that were close to advancing, but unfortunately uh, not? So Landon was close. He had just gotten off a of mono. John Holland, the assistant coach that helps out. We were worried Landon wasn't even going to make it. He, he had mono that bad. He, you could tell it was still bothering him. He was pretty fatigued. He pretty much gave all of his effort he had in him on the team day. But by the time he had to pull singles the next day, he was pretty much out of gas. Alex Holland was pretty close. And I think Aiden Kent Tucker was the other one that was that was close. You know, it was just a couple of open frames here and there is all it was. If we could have inverted on spares, you know, I, w- I was looking, hoping to have at least two or three keep going. So, again, it's... It was it was a good experience. 
Good stuff. I'm happy for the boys bowling program going into the next season. Like I said, that's awesome. All the summer work, I'm sure it's going to pay off when the season starts. Coach, Matt Bauer, thanks for chatting with us as always. I see around Mendota and I'm always like, man, I got to have him on. Man, I got to I saw you at China House, and I was like, man, I'm going to text you. I remember to text you, and here we are. I'm glad you could speak with us on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks for the support, and thanks for following the bowling team and getting them recognition. I, I think if people would go to a big tournament and realize just how much support there is and how much people get involved with it, centers can be just as loud as a football stadium or a, or a, or a basketball court. Um, at times, um, because these kids that, that really want to excel in this sport uh, really do uh, put their heart and soul into it. And it, it's harder than people will assume it is. It's, it's tough. It's, it's tough to get to the next level. So uh, I just appreciate all the, all the support everybody gives us and recognition uh, all the boys get. Not just my own, but the whole team. Hold on, hold on. We can't be done yet. Because before regionals even begin, which again, maybe tomorrow, maybe not, as we wait on weather, well, if we get more weather because it's been bad. However, Landon Bauer will not be done with organized bowling after the season. Yes, he's a senior at Mendota, but next year he will be a freshman at Kansas Wesleyan University as a member of their bowling team. So from Edge of Your Seat Podcast and Brandon LaChance, Congratulations, man. You put in the work. You've been doing your thing. And it's only right for you to keep bowling.